the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, number 167 for, John, what is today? Sunday? Yes. Well, <laughs> Sunday, September 7th, 2008. <laughs> Greetings, folks, and welcome to the show. This is, of course, the Mac Geek Gab. Uh- I have an excuse is that everything's kind of a blur because I'm still kind of on vacation. So, yes, I was away for a week. uh, If you're on that uh, uh, service, which we said we would never speak up again. You mean Um, Twitter? Yeah, I I sent pictures and uh, updates and stuff. But um, I think we're almost back in sync, Dave. Sunday is very close. So I I think by next week. And and again, I'm winding down from vacation mode and just. Yeah, I'll. I'll, I'll... You'll be okay. (laughs) Yeah, so I may be a bit a uh, bit a uh, still trying to get in the groove tonight, but um, yeah, because I had events so, all the weekend. Yeah, I had a you know a friend of mine had a big party he has every year, and then you know we did our parents' uh, wedding anniversary uh, lunch today. So, uh, anyways, let's move on. But yes, right. we we did do some prep, so uh, we move on. All right, uh, yeah, we did do some prep. So we have uh, normal questions, some abnormal questions, some. Uh, Questions from out of the blue. But before we do that, John. Oh, and we do. We have. You need to wait till the end because we have the option key explained. And uh, and I think we'll, uh, all, we'll all appreciate that, that. Popular. I thought it was an innocent question. But yes, we got we got lots of great. Uh, oh, it was awesome. Replies to that. But you you were away. So uh, you you have some you bought some new toys before you left. And yes, uh, I and did. Used so, them while so you were away. Absolutely. So very briefly, yes, I was in Orlando, Florida, mostly Disney stuff. Um, I would say if you're going to the Disney properties, this is probably after Labor Day, just very quickly, and then we'll move on, um, is the best one of the best times to be there, other than maybe oh, a little yeah. heat or humidity. I bet. There are, oh, yeah, there are so many rides where we just jumped right on. There was no wait. There was no point to fast pass. When you tried, they said, it doesn't make any difference. It's faster to just go into... So. Um, yeah, don't waste again, time with the fast pass. Just get on the ride, sir. Exactly. So uh, because I've been there at, at other times, you know, July, I get. But but I think just after Labor Day is the kiddos are back in school and, and uh, nobody's going to go know, so a few days after that. So um, good time to go to Orlando and, and check out the Disney property. So anyway, so two things. So one and this was actually um, and I got to thank uh, our friend uh, Chuck, Chuck Joyner, because um, he had oh. one of these when we were at uh, NME. Um, I've been looking for a new camera. I have a, a Coolpix 4500. Um, it's nice for megapixel for zoom, I believe, um, you know, it has a twist, which I really like, but the screen's small in the, the resolution. So, and I actually saw Chuck had this at the show and he let me, you know, experiment with it. Uh, it's a Lumix, uh, Panasonic Lumix DMC TZ5, nine megapixel camera. And I just took a few shots and I was like, wow, this thing's really nice. So I picked one up at Amazon before, um, leaving. They have a pretty liberal return policy, which is good. And, uh, That's brought good. it for, uh, you know, um, yeah, basically as long as you don't destroy it and it looks like new, you can within like 30 days, uh, return it. That's awesome. So anyways, what, what attracted me to this camera is that it has a 10 X optical zoom, which is unusual because this is a, what I would call a, you know, handheld camera, not an SLR, not a serious, you know, big wampin thing. You can hold it in one hand and you can operate it and take pictures with it. Um, so it's pretty portable, but a 10 X optical zoom, not digital, which digital zoom to me is just a waste of, of time. I, I agree. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. It just makes the wow. pixels bigger. And so, but the thing is at nine megapixel, it does that, but it also has a like turbo zoom mode, which lets you do 16. I don't know why they just don't say 17, 16.9 X optical zoom at three megapixel. Um, the place I was at actually had a, a one, one of the hotels we stayed at actually had like a safari area, the, the animal lodge where you could actually see animals. And this thing came in very handy for animals that you uh, don't necessarily want to want or can't get close to. So um, from 10 to 17 X optical zoom is amazing. Um, has a nice screen. And it also does, if you have the appropriate memory card, I learned something because my old camera had uh, compact flash. This has SD, but you want to make sure if you get an SD card and you want to do movies, which this can do HD movies. So that's one of the other wow. draws on this. It does 720p movies. Um, now it's a camera, not a video camera. So, you know, you're not, you know, you get what you get, mm. <laughs> but it's still pretty neat. I mean, the mic is built in the camera, so the audio quality is probably not going to be stellar. And I think that's probably one of the downsides. Sure. Um, but other than that, yeah, you can. T- and uh, so I got a 16 gig card um, uh, for recording videos and just pictures. And, it's you know, I, I forget how many pictures I think I do, like 4000, even a nine megapixel. So it's crazy. Wow. That's awesome. So I'm very happy with it. It has an intelligent auto mode, which for the most part did what it should when it was cloudy it said it's cloudy you know put the flash on sometimes i mean any camera it's never perfect in all situations but right um, wow so i'm i'm pretty pleased with the camera um, let's see what's the msrp on that thing or what's the the street price what'd you pay for it at amazon um i paid about 270 which wow it really shocked me because for a 10x opticals i mean that is an and it has a i think it's leica l-e-i-c-a lens i mean it's a it's a quality you know i think it's a german uh outfit that makes these lenses. So the lens is nice. It's in a, you know, 16 by nine kind of HD format. Um, it just does a great job. And yeah, 270 uh, from Amazon. And uh, you know, that's uh, the, I forget what the retail is. It doesn't matter. So it's also, right. Retails for uh, who is retail mm-hmm. for? I guess it's mm-hmm. for those of us that buy Apple products. That's uh, that, 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 that's who retails for, right? Used to be retails for suckers. Uh, I don't think that's true anymore. We, everybody knows where to look for pricing, but I guess re- I guess as Apple customers, if if we if the old adage is true, we're the suckers. Could be, but you know, I, I get a corporate. You get a yeah. Come on, you get a developer discount. I get a you know, right. corporate discount. That's uh, right. There's a, always a discount out there. That's right. So retail so still for thing- suckers. That's what you're trying to say. Is yeah. that what you're trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> so in, in brief, um, thank you, Chuck, and others who recommended the camera. I'm I'm keeping it, um, you know, especially for the price. It it gives a lot of bang for the buck. The the only thing is that the screen, and this is call it a weird downside, but the screen in the thing is so nice. It's like 468,000 pixels. It's three wow. inch diagonal. It, it's a very it's the best screen I've seen on a cam- in any portable camera for the size. Um, Sometimes the pictures look really good on the screen and they don't look that great when you download them on the computer. I don't, I don't know if that's a bad problem to have. Right. Um, right slideshows right. with this to show other people is great. I mean, you can you can carry this around. It's almost like having an iPod um, in that you can. And it has like a lot of slideshow and transition modes built in. It's always made for um, and it even plays music during the slideshows, which, you know, I'm not sure is an efficient use of battery power. Um, and of course, yes, it takes proprietary batteries, which I nice. shake my fist at any camera vendor, because one of the other people I was on vacation with had a Kodak, a very nice Kodak, kind of a mini SLR, and it took double A batteries. It's like, guys, come on. Yeah. Now, in defense, uh, you say this, it, this camera, I would say in their defense, it probably would be difficult to get a double A battery in this camera. That, and so, that, that's usually the thing is, is you're trading size for convenience with the yes. uh, with the batteries. Yeah. 
Uh, now you you said you got a uh, a memory card with it. Uh, is was there anything special about that memory card? Nudge nudge, wink wink. Um, well, we ha- I got two memory cards. So okay, yes, this is leading to the second thing that we decided to to input here just uh, just for the heck of it. Um, so I got a Sandus. I think it was a sixteen gig. I think a fifteen megabit throughput. So with 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 um, if you want to do movies again on the camera, make sure you get a card that advertises a certain. Uh, throughput rate so that because actually the other card I had and what a great lead in I got the iFi Explorer now if you some of you recall at Backworld um, the editors had a uh, heavy and heated debate over editor's choice and this was one of the things the basic product got an editor's choice I, I think you remember the the heated stuff uh, whatever <laughs> oh yeah we know we had a great uh, we had a great kind of roundtable meeting of all the editors pulling this stuff together it was awesome it was great yeah Yep. Yeah. So, so their basic product, which basically let you take a picture and then, uh, so what it is, it's an SD card, a uh, secure digital, or I think that's what it stands for. Um, it's a certain form factor of card. It has two gigabytes. So just on its own, it can store pictures. But then here's the interesting thing. It's the iFi Explorer. This is the high end of their product line. It not only can use Wi-Fi to transmit pictures um, through as far as I can tell, through a base station to your computer. Okay. But it can also geotag. This is called Explore. So the deal with this one is in addition, and, you know, they recently, actually, I think when we were at Macworld, they updated it so it could uh, blast photos right into iPhoto, and it does that um, already. All, all the products do that. But in addition, it uses a, uh, it can geotag, which is, I think, a fairly recent development in taking pictures and geotagging is embedding the coordinates, the latitude and longitude, kind of like a GPS, but not quite in this case, and putting it in the picture. Then voila, if you want to sort your pictures by location or where you've been, like Disney, you can do that. So this card does it, but it uses it does it kind of in a clever way that the iPhone has already utilized and I guess moved on, which is a there's a service called Skyhook, Dave. Um, right. Yeah. Which I guess they map Wi-Fi access points. And, and I don't know quite how they do it. I mean, the 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 coverage map I saw did map Orlando, um, but I I, I got um, to wrap it up here quickly. I got intermittent results. Um, sometimes when I was in the entrance of certain, um, and this is just talking Disney properties, uh, or actually some hotels I was at um, in the Orlando, they show full coverage. I found maybe at the entrances and exits where you would expect administrative offices and maybe Wi-Fi. But throughout the parks, very rarely did I get any uh, coordinate hits. So, um, uh, however, in the in the town that I live in, which uh, you know is pretty, uh, you know, a, a you know a residential, uh, somewhat tightly packed area, no problem because I'm sure they just have a you know a lot. So, so and New York City also. When I was on the way back on the train, I took a lot of pictures in Grand Central Station, and I got uh, coordinates every time. So, oh, very cool. If you're in an area they cover, um, which I, I would say is probably any place, if you got a cell phone or you know, your neighbors may have Wi-Fi and not a uh, butter churn or something. Then, I'm <laughs> hello, hi. All right. Okay. So, iFi Explorer is very nice. I'm I'm happy. I I wish the the coordinates the the geotagging would be better, but it's still cool that it does it at all. Yeah, um, that's really cool. That I I like that. That's awesome. I like it. Very cool. Good geeky stuff. That's uh that's what we're here for. Uh. All right, let's let's dive right into the uh, to the to the questions here, John. So we have 
we have Matt's question and Matt writes in says, I hope that you can help me. I was trying out my shortcuts on my computer and accidentally pressed command option control one. And my desktop now keeps arranging my files by name. It's now getting very irritating. And can you please help me undo it? So it's important to talk about what's happened here. Uh, If you're in the finder and you don't have uh, any windows selected, you could have windows open, but nothing selected in terms of windows, i.e. the desktop is your active home. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you go to the view menu, you either have and this is like six lines down in the view menu in leopard you have yep. either arranged by or keep arranged by and then if you go over uh you'll see that control command one is name and so that's why uh, matt had this problem the trick is if you go all the way to the bottom to show view options it will pull up a little uh a little breakout window if you if you will a floating window and at the bottom of this is arranged by now if that is set to and i believe this is correct if that is set to anything but none your icons will keep arranged by so anytime a new icon comes to your desktop it will get reorganized into everything and you can't take an icon on your desktop and just drag it and put it somewhere and have it stay there it will automatically keep rearranging so if you don't want it to keep rearranging, you come into show view options, you set arrange by to none, and then your view menu will have arrange by instead of keep arranged by, and you can clean it up uh, w- whenever you like, but you're not stuck with that uh, with that arrangement for everything going forward. You can you can do it uh, at will. So I, th- I think that answers Matt's question. Uh, but I have a, a fish shaking moment here. <laughs> shake it away baby all right well i won't do that but uh, what i will point out is so in the range by menu you mentioned dave that there are six choices here right yes and i believe you said control is that correct i did okay uh, plus command which is the clover now yes uh, all right i I just want to mention this and again it's a rant but we're going to talk about it a a little bit towards the end of the show but there, what I see there is a carrot, which is shift six. That's yes. right. Yes. How do you know that's control? Okay, th- that's it. Mini rant. rant. The o- well, the Done. only reason I How, know Unless yeah. you listen to us or... Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I'm just saying that to me, that's a, another kind of an... Why don't they put CTRL, which I think some applications or OSs do? I think okay. I've seen that at times. Yeah. Yeah. It's obviously to me, not clean, but... Yeah. The carrot is not control. I mean, it's it it is, but yeah. it's not obvious unless you've been taught that yes. that's what it is. Yeah, it is so that way the, in uh, back as far as I remember. It's it's not a Mac yeah. thing. The carrot being control. It's just a yeah. I know. Kind but of to a, the young Jedi out there, you know. The, no, absolutely. A, a tip for you. Yeah, yeah. That's what that means. So yeah, you've got that funky option symbol, which we'll talk about at the end, which is option. Then you have the carrot, which is control, and then the clover, which is command. And on new keyboards, they might not even have the clover, so it's kind of important. Just an apple, right? No, no. I think, look on your MacBook Pro. What do you have on that? Ooh. Just says command. Clover. There's a clover. Okay. Yeah. And now the the reason for the clover, and it is a clover, it's not a propeller, uh, is that Apple... uh, you know, they had it was the the solid Apple and closed Apple keys were, were where that that 
uh, the lineage came from on that. The but Apple felt like and this was a Steve, I, I don't know, Apple didn't feel this way. According to the legend, Steve Jobs felt this way that by uh, taking the Apple logo and putting it in all the menus, you were you were you were kind of tainting it. You were you were abusing the logo at that point. So that's why the, the clover was was used. And, and perhaps hmm. perhaps we'll be taught yet another lesson about about that. But that's that's the the uh, the history on that. So that's as far good as good lore. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. OK, moving on to Dan. Oh, Dan. Thank you so much for writing in, Dan. Dan says, you mentioned on the last show that you can use Skitch to, among many other things, draw an arrow pointing to something in a screenshot, which you've always wanted to be able to do. I heard this and just had to write in immediately because I happened across a tip just today that mentioned that you can do just that in Leopard's preview application. If you go to view customize toolbar and from there you can add the annotate tool, which will let you add circles, rectangles, text and arrows. This is Leopard only. And I'm sure you probably don't care because now you have Skitch, but I just felt I had to mention it. So, uh, yeah, the, the, and he's absolutely right. If you go in, you have to be in a picture because if you're in a PDF, you will have a different you, you have a different toolbar for PDFs. It's not obvious that you do, but you do. So you, you have to customize them all the same uh, or customize them all individually. But if, if if you have an image open, you can add this annotate thing. And then sure enough, you get a nice little uh, arrow that you can draw. It's a red arrow. I don't think you can change the color, but it comes with a little drop shadow. And, uh, and it, you know, for built into the OS, this is awesome. Why doesn't Apple tell us these things other than simply burying them in a list of like 300 changes? And I'm sure it's there on the Leopard 300 change list. Now, the other thing I noticed, and, and actually with PDFs, it looks like, yeah, you can, uh, yeah, so you get an annotate menu. It's, there's but another the, menu. The contents of the annotate menu for PDFs are different, and you don't have the option to draw the arrows, I don't think. No, you don't. You're correct. Because yeah. I was looking, yeah, there's oval, rectangle, note, and link. But um, but you can do things. Yep. And I've seen that. Now now I realize a lot of things I see were, like an oval, I mean, that's a pretty obvious visual cue that, yeah. look here. That's yeah, right. But right. also what I noticed, at least I'm in a PDF now, and there's a markup option. Or if you highlight some text, and then you go to view, oh, I'm sorry, tools, markup, you get highlight text, strike through, and underline. Hmm. Really? Okay, that's, uh, that's useful. So slightly editing the text in a, uh, in a PDF. Yes. If, and I would assume if when you scan the document in or when you create it, you enable OCR text mode. Of course, you could have a PDF, though. I don't know why, which has text and it's a graphic and not a, yeah, it's sure. just a, a crazy talk. So, well, it, it happens. It happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes. So, um, yeah. Uh, preview I, I i still think what we recommended was the best course of action which is to get another another program but hey this is free yeah pre it's it's worth while we're talking about preview and leopard it's actually worth mentioning preview has quite a few additional options um it it now in leopard you can if you open the the drawer you can delete pages you can reorder pages and if you have two PDFs open in preview, you can take pages from one and add them to another and mix and match and build one, you know, Mondo PDF of, of, of everything and then save it as its own file. It's actually a, a very powerful. Well, not very powerful. It is a handy PDF 
tool now as opposed to just viewing things. And, and you know, the name preview is now kind of a misnomer, right? Because you're doing a whole lot more than previewing. You're actually manipulating these documents. So be that as it may. Yep. Our sponsor for this show is Circus Ponies with Notebook. Now, Notebook 3.0 was supposed to be out September 1st. They hit some website snafus that have delayed their ability to uh, put that up on the web. So it's not out yet. Very, very, very close, though, I'm told. That said, because it's not out, you can still buy Notebook 2.1 for $49.95. And then when 3.0 comes out, you get the free upgrade to 3.0. 3.0, when it comes out, which I'm told is very soon, will be $69.95. So if you have ever even remotely considered purchasing, per, ah, <laughs> hi, purchasing this, hi. Uh, now is the right time because you can save yourself 20 bucks. Uh, in 3.0, Notebook adds a new toolbar, uh, making some things bigger, easier to read, kind of a redesign with, uh, with a bunch of user requests in mind. It, too, has PDF annotation, and you can pull PDFs right into your notebook, uh, and you can annotate the file by uh, using shapes, text, scribbles, and then you can even spit out a new PDF that includes these annotations. It's also got sticky notes and flags, so you can easily add quick notes or reminders to a page inside notebook with the sticky notes. Add a style, choose a sticky note or even a flag to a page by dragging it from this new little toolbar and uh, puts it all right there. So if you've uh, if you've got stuff that you need to organize, Notebook is uh, is definitely something you want to check out. Of course, there is the uh, the there, there is a free trial available online at circusponies.com and that's Notebook 3.0. With that, we move on to Jim and uh I need to pull up Jim here, you know, since pilot Pete's not in the studio and I'm, I'm uh, yeah. all by myself, I'm standing and, uh, yeah, Jim was talking about some sort of administrative, he uh, is deals with, uh, Vista and remote access and, uh, how long can I've got, I've got it. No, I've got it. I'm ready, yeah. but I appreciate you <laughs> vamping for me. I, I like that. That's good. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so Jim says, hi, Dave and John, I'm going to visit my mom soon and I want to set up her Vista PC so that I can administer it remotely. Some time ago, I put together a test in my home network with a Parallels XP session using Hamachi VPN, real VNC on Windows, and Chicken of the VNC on the Mac, which I use all the time with Vine to local Macs. It worked, but it's complicated. I think this setup, this is the setup you recommended in the past, but it's been a while. Is this still the way to go? And, uh, and I already wrote back to Jim, but, but the answer is, it, it's certainly a way to go. But logmein.com has a Mac client now. What logmein does is you install this client, uh, install this uh, server, if you will, on your Windows machine. And then it connects to the LogMeIn servers and basically says, I'm here. Then when you go to connect to it from your Mac, the LogMeIn servers deal with kind of traversing through firewalls and all that stuff that back to my Mac is supposed to do, except this works. And uh, and it works really well. So you go in, you type a password to get into the account. And you say, OK, now I want to uh, remotely manage that machine. And boom, you're in. Uh, you see the screen just like uh, you, you would with with remote desktop or VNC or anything like that. And you can totally interact with the computer. The one thing I'll mention about log me in and 
I should state that it's probably been about six months since I've used it, but I don't think they've changed any of this is that you set up an account for the person whose computer you're using. So for in Jim's case, Jim wouldn't set up an account for Jim and then add his mom's computer and his sister's computer and his friend's computer to it. He would set up three separate accounts in you know, in this, this, uh, fictitious scenario where one would be for his mother and she would have her account on log me in. And that's what Jim would use to log into uh, log me in and then get to his mother's computer. If then he wanted to manage his sister's computer, he would have to log back into log me in using his sister's credentials. That that's how I found it to work uh, in the past. That may of course have changed. Now uh, Jim had one follow-up question and John, I think uh, you'll appreciate this. Was that, you know, is this is great and it works and you're absolutely right. Way simpler. But we're now trusting logmein.com, which is, you know, private company to have essentially have access to all of our computers if they have their network set up in a way that they can actually do this. And there's nothing that would say that they couldn't. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, you know, the question is, how much access do we want to give to this one uh, to this one company that you know, we may or may not know anything about. So what do you, what do you think about that, John? Excellent point. Yes. When you do it yourself now, then again, you may want to question the provider of the tools that you build a VPN or remote access or stuff like that. And who's put, um, so in the, in, in the same vein, I think, yeah, you have to, you know, if it's an open source tool that lots of people use, Hopefully you can trust that it's not, you know, compromised, <laughs> uh, compromising your system security or the things built into the OS. Every now and then somebody does find something. But um, I'm with you, not saying that these folks, uh, there's any reason not to trust them. But once you and same thing with Mac, right? That, when you're keeping your stuff on their servers, right. there, there is a level of security. But who says that yep. somebody couldn't? Cra- so so I guess, yeah. And the big um, the big concern here is uh, is of course Google, right? If you're using Gmail and Google Calendar and Google Docs and all that stuff, it's or like, Chrome, which yeah. I'm still waiting for the email telling me my copy's ready. But uh, <laughs> so Sergi, right? Yeah, yeah. He says he's. Uh, you saw. He said he wasn't happy that there's no Mac version, but we're less happy than he is about it, right? Well, I guess I've used it. <laughs> you know, I used I, let's let's talk about this a on Windows. Bit. Yeah, because I, I haven't it. used it at all. I just heard it's it's the it it's fast. It's uh, yeah, it's got some quirks, but it, it it's very very fast. I don't know if it's very very small or very very efficient. And it it's and interesting. Issues, that's what I've heard. Yeah, so it's interesting, and I don't have any of my notes here. I don't think about uh, my my thoughts on this. Actually, I think I do because. I was thinking. So about they it. said initially for, for a while they were denying they were working on a browser. Of course. Right? Yeah, of course. But but clearly they were. So uh, I used it inside parallels. And you're right, John. It's fast. It's smooth. Uh, the, the, you know, the JavaScript uh, interpreter in this thing smokes anything out there, uh, at least that I've used. Although there's, you know, rumors of of a uh, much faster JavaScript interpreter coming uh, down the road with uh, with Safari. So maybe they, you know, maybe maybe they'll be on par with each other. Maybe they won't. The 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 UI is a little wonky because the tabs are above the the, the menu bar. So, Ooh. yeah, it's weird. And there's really that's only not right. Yeah, there's really only like two menus and they're off to the side. And that's kind of where you manage everything. 
there's a couple cool kind of geeky things about it. It has tear off tabs like Safari. Now, the interesting thing is each tab and I'm going to qualify this because it's not entirely true. Each tab runs in its own as its own process. Okay. So on the one hand, that makes it incredibly stable. If you've got one tab uh, that has some something happening in it that, that you know, bogs down the, the browser or whatever, the other tabs aren't going to be impacted by that. They're not waiting for anything to happen from that tab. Uh, and plugins are the thing that sort of live outside the tabs. And Google's already spanking everyone saying you should write plugins differently and the world needs to be a different place. But uh, but yeah, but but here's the interesting thing. So. If you click, if you're in a, uh, a browser window, right, you know, you're browsing a website and you click on a link that opens, that's set to open a, ta- a, a open the link in a new window, i.e., for you HTML folks out there, target equals quote underscore blank, right? If you do that, it opens another tab, but that lives inside the same virtual machine that the first one came from. Or not virtual machine, same process space that the first one came from. However... If you click that same link and choose with, you know, like with the right mouse button or whatever, choose open in new tab, same behavior. You see a new tab open, but it's running inside its own process space. So there's some there's some weird stuff going on uh, with the way they've they've done this. Obviously, if you've got lots of tabs open, that's not very efficient from a memory management standpoint, but it certainly is efficient from a let's try and protect uh, the browser here and, and, you know, build walls where we can and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I would use it as my main browser, but but I really I can't speak to that yet because it's not it being being that I use a Mac as my main machine. I, I don't have the option to use it as my main browser, so I, I, I can't yet. even go there yet. That's right. And clearly it's coming. You know, they've, they've basically right. said that. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Okay. You ready to move on? Yes. Okay. We have uh, Tony. Hey, John and Dave. Sorry, Chef Tony here. I got cut off on my last message. Um, No worries. Long-time listener, first-time caller. I think you guys do a fantastic job. I love listening to your podcast. I got two points. One is a restaurateur, but a geek in my part-time life. Uh, probably more of a geek sometimes than a restaurateur moments, but I really want trying to blend the two into a career in the future. But my question is, what's the best thing or maybe some other ways you think that to break into the tech industry and get into doing something with Macs? I love Mac platform. I've probably turned on five or six of my friends to buying Macs. I love all the technology associated. I was just listening to your last podcast. I think it's 166. Uh, and, I, and I know I'm a geek because I found out about Plask that screen capture program about three or four months ago. And I figure you guys do this full time and I do it part time. So I think I'm pretty well connected in the tech in the tech life, but uh always curious if you guys have any advice on what ways to break into the tech industry from the future, maybe to get into some aspect of this that I can do around my restaurant career. Another quick question I have is uh I have an external hard drive. I had three uh daisy chained external hard drives and one of them just never seems to power up or come on, and I'm thinking there probably is not too much critical data on it, but I can't seem to get it to do anything. Uh, they're all WD drives, um, and they used to be three of them stacked, and they work fine. Now it's just two that I can get to come on. Any heads up, I know I can probably get it to a company to 
scrape the data off it, but it's probably not that crucial. I'm just wondering if I can take out the drive from inside and maybe put it in another another enclosure, or if you guys have any other feedback. But anyways, I was excited to call. Love the show. Keep it up. If you want to email me. All right. We'll cut you off there, Chef Tony. Thank you for, for writing in or, <laughs> well, uh, calling in. Let's take the first one first because that's order. The, that way we have some order to this, John. So how to start <laughs> in the in the Mac industry that, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of uh, of answers available here. We'll touch on a couple. My my first piece of advice is if you've got friends and, uh, you know, relatives and, and folks like that that you help out, you could certainly expand that. Right. And and get into consulting and a great way to find clients is to go to your uh, mug meetings every month, you know, find your, your local mugs and go to those and help out, you know, I mean, truly go there and, and, and help people, you know, a lot of mugs will have like a, I know the Seacoast mug here has, you know, before the meeting starts, everybody just kind of hangs out and, and helps each other. And if you go and do that uh, or go and speak at your local mugs, People will come to regard you as an expert. And then, of course, when they have a problem at home, uh, they'll give you a call and, and now you're in business. Right. So that's that's one way. But of course, you're starting a restaurant, too. So I'm not sure running a restaurant. Uh, so, I, you know, as with any business, it takes time and perseverance and, you know, maybe a little bit of luck, but but really just time and a good product and perseverance. So uh, I don't know how much extra time you have to commit to something like that. So any other thoughts on that, John? A um, couple of thoughts. Now, one, I believe they have, and maybe you can look for it while I'm babbling about something else, but I thought Apple on their site had like a user group connection. So um, if we could link to that or if you could yep. dig it up while I'm yep. kind of meandering here. But to me, and well, actually, I found the first thing is you got to know Dave Hamilton. I mean, it worked for me. No. <laughs> well, seriously, years and years and years ago, I don't know if anybody knows this story, but it was when you, you were, we were just getting started with the Mac Observer. And, and I think I, I was basically trying to approach you to scam me a press badge. That's right. And you said, no, I can't do that. I'm an ethical type of guy. Um, you got to write something, John. And that, that's what started that's right. my going to Macworld shows and writing for the Mac Observer and now podcasting. So um, that, there's actually, back then, Dave had the highest ethical standards. I just want to reiterate that. <laughs> there, there's an interesting story here, right? Because you and I used to go to Macworld Expo constantly, right? We would, we would or, just or go. Apple, Apple Fest. A- or, Apple did Fest. Did we go to Macworld? Oh, yeah. Did we, we, we go to Macworld before we... Oh, I guess we did. Yeah. Of course we did. Yeah. And and so here's the interesting thing is we had plans to go to the January Macworld of. So this would be January of ninety nine and in Boston here. And uh, and so we you know, we we had our plans to go. And then uh, Brian and I got together and we purchased Webintosh kind of sort of and long story short, started the Mac Observer. That was in December of ninety eight. I believe. And I've got, it has to, it would have to be. Yeah. So December of 98. Now I'm going to Macworld Expo. I've already got plans. Hotels booked. John and I, you know, we booked a hotel. Uh, we already had our flights or I had my flight. I was coming from Texas. John was driving up and, uh, and it was like, well, I guess now I'm going attending on behalf of the Mac observer. And 
John said, well, what about me? And, and that's exactly what happened is it was like, well, we need to get you a press badge. And how are we going to do that? Well, you got to write something first. And, and thus was born <laughs> the first Mac gadget. So or not the first, your first. Someone was doing that at Webintosh prior for to you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And so you took that over and, and qualified for a press badge and got one. And, uh, and the rest, as they say, is uh, our tattered history. So, uh, Indeed. so uh, did you what was have the question? <laughs> the, the question was how to get started in the Mac industry. So start I'm sorry. writing so how to right? get started. Uh, but, but uh, all right. Short answer. Blog. Write about what you do. Get your hands on toys. Use them. Understand them. Write about it. Blogging is a great way to start. Um, yep. If you can find a Mac publication, Mac Observer or otherwise, give me your material. You may not get paid. Hey. You're, you're trying to, you know, get out there in, in, in the world. Consulting, as Dave mentioned, is another great way. Um, attend Macworld, just, schmo- you know, interact, schmooze, whatever, with people. But but get your stuff out there. Um, dare I say it? We could say it. Twitter, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> get a following of people that follow you like some people already do um, who are in the Mac industry. And maybe you'll get a following of people that, that you know, seem to enjoy what you think about What's happening in the Mac world? Um, just get exposure, I would say, is step step number one. And well, if you right. have passion or enthusiasm, well. Yeah, share share so. what you know. And and that may get you exposure. May. And, and, and you know, and, and there's may, a, But I'm saying, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking logically, it's a start. If you don't do that, there's zero chance that people Correct. will recognize you for what you know. So, right. yeah, I mean, hey, there are going to be people who, who what they have to offer may not interest other people who knows right right i'm i'm still just you know pleasantly amazed that that you know what you and i do seems to <laughs> attract the attention of a lot of people i i, I still it's humbling just think it's oh, a lot it's, of fun it's awesome it yeah. is humbling um all right so, so sp- hey speaking of that oh no chef two, tony had yes. a question right so he's got this this hard drive that that won't mount so uh, that's kind of wacky though i i, I want to he mentioned i think he had three drives Three drives. Now I'm wondering, two, are they two all of which work talking fine. to one? Uh, but are they all linked to one another? That that is my question. We don't have a diagram, of course. Of, sure. Is it, if he has drive one plugged into the computer and then drive two plugged into one and three into two, I'm going to go uh, ahead and guess uh, that he has isolated each drive. Right. He's got them all daisy chained in some way. Right. But. If okay, he's having problems with one, I'm going to assume that he's taken the other two out of the mix and just plugged the malfunctioning drive in and still gets the same result, okay. i.e. But you nada. see where I'm getting at very quickly would yep. be you can only chain in a lot of technologies, FireWire, USB. Otherwise, you can only chain so many devices before and the computer may not tell you. Now, USB, for the most part, tells you when it That's thinks right. it can't provide the juice, you'll get an error message for, usually from the operating system saying, what are you, nuts? If you daisy chain devices, you may not get that. So just to cover all bases here, if he's chaining three devices, uh, as you suggested, Dave, he probably has already plugged them in individually, though three devices, sometimes you may not have three ports. Um, So just a thought, more at the hardware electrical level, but uh, go on. Oh, well, okay. So let's assume that he's plugged the one drive in and it still doesn't mount. Uh, His idea of, taking the uh, mechanism out of the drive and putting it out of the enclosure rather and putting it into another enclosure that that's a great step one, because if there's something wrong with the enclosure and there certainly could be uh, Mm. that would prevent anything from seeing the drive. The other thing is 
in either enclosure, look in the system profiler and see what it tells you about what it thinks it's seeing, because it's possible the drive may be there and the system profiler and the and by proxy, the Mac, you know, uh, would see the drive, but it doesn't. It might not recognize the way it's formatted. The drive itself may be damaged. There may, you know, there may be something there. Launching disk utility would be another thing, right? And and see what it tells you about what it thinks is there. It's possible it won't. It'll say, "Well, there's nothing." You know, I got nothing. And if it does, okay, well, now move it to a different enclosure. See if it's the same thing. If it does, hmm, right? You're not really. Well, I've seen sometimes it'll identify the hardware device, but then show you something kind of Unixy, like you know. S something, right. D something, you know, some sort of cryptic code that Unix uses to identify a device. Um, the other thing I just thought I mentioned, just to be comprehensive, your cable could suck. Yeah, you may have a cheap cable, and especially if you're daisy chaining multiple devices. But uh, I mean, I can't remember the last time I had. Actually, I can. <laughs> um, had a substandard cable. I think you know I pulled it out of a random box in the lab somewhere, and yeah, it wasn't right. So. Um, there are cheap cables. There are not so cheap cables. Just uh, uh, be methodical in how you approach the problem, and don't forget the cable. Yeah, yeah. Try it with different cables. Obviously, you must have different cables if you're linking all these drives to the machine in some way. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, Bob. Uh, Bob. Uh, yeah. Let me uh, let's see what Bob has to say here. If I can aim and click this. Hi, John and Dave. Bob from Michigan. I have a question about an airport uh, N router. I have a brother um, HL2040 uh, laser printer connected directly to that through the FireWire port. I mean, pardon me, through the USB port on the modem. And um, I'm able to print to it wirelessly from with no problem at all from a uh, G4 Quicksilver. But... Uh, I have three other laptops uh, in the house, uh, one of them an Intel and two other G4s that uh, just won't see it. It it, uh, comes back saying that uh, the printer is offline. I'm wondering if uh, what I might be doing wrong here, trying to get this thing to network print. Uh, Any help you can offer will be appreciated, and uh, please don't get caught. Thank you. (laughs) You bet, Bob. Thank you. Excellent. First off, he's talking about an airport N router. I'm going to assume a airport, what, extreme now, do they call it? Airport extreme. Yeah. Which has a draft or uh, close to final of N. Um, and now he's plugging in via USB. And I don't know, Dave, maybe you could help me out here. But I have a inkjet printer plugged into my uh, time capsule, which is essentially yep. the same thing with the hard drive. Have right. you done laser USB laser printers into uh, uh, any sort of airport? That's a good question. No, I have, but I have done them hanging off of an HP Jet Direct box, uh, which okay. and it, which essentially does the same thing, albeit in HP's way and not Apple's way. And the idea is, uh-huh. you've got a printer that won't talk on the network independently, so it needs help. And now, one way to do that would be to plug it into your Mac and share it that way. But of course, your Mac needs to be present and online in order for it anyone to see the printer and so uh there's standalone boxes like like the hp jet direct series that that do this and you plug usb into one side of it and ethernet into the other and it essentially acts like a bridge but it but it does its print it does the printer's print serving inside the box 
the airport extreme and the time capsule have all that built into it. Uh, again, Apple's way they don't have a jet direct box in, but they have that functionality built in. So, so yeah, I have, I have done to answer your question. No, is that good? <laughs> <laughs> now to answer the question question, if I could go on a bit mm-hmm. and we can go back and forth here, but one thing, uh, so using one method of connecting, he can print another. He can't. Well, we don't know um, that. And that, I think that oh. I think it's important to note. We're not sure if his G4 is connected wired mm. to the airport extreme or wireless. If it's wired, right. then at least we've got some difference. Right. The, the one, you know, wired prints wireless sees it doesn't print. Okay, now there's something that's something to go on. It's possible, though, he's got an airport card in that G4 and everything's connecting wirelessly. Well, I thought he said he could print wirelessly to the printer, which is plugged into the the wireless router, which to me. No, no, he he said he can print from the G4, but but did not specify. Okay. Yeah. How how he was connecting. So. So. One thing in in cases like this is just a general suggestion I'll toss out is to look at how the printers are mapped on all of the computers. There are a number of ways to map a laser printer um, or any printer. It could be IP, though, in this case, if it's connected to the airport, uh, that's probably not it. But there is Bonjour and Apple talk. Like, for example, in my case, I do have, um, depending on where I plug it into, my inkjet with wireless space could be Bonjour or Apple talk. So I guess what I'm suggesting is look at all of the computers where the printer is mapped and make note of what mechanism is being used to connect to the printer. That could be, hey, you make a little chart. Okay, this works. This doesn't. Um, just a, a general approach, with I, which I think, uh, you know, get back to us. Let us know what what it says. Um, not, uh, yeah, I mean, it's saying it's not available or online. Yeah, I, hmm. you know, and it's almost a negative problem. And I think you you were you were suggesting that with with another tip, Dave. Well, it, it first of all, it's important to note that Bonjour, aka ZeroConf is ip right so you could connect directly using ip not direct ip it's right but it but it's all happens over ip but uh but yeah i mean if if it appears there it the the interesting thing is laser printers some laser printers if they're postscript laser printers there's a couple of different ways you could connect to them you could simply use the built-in laser printer the built-in postscript print drivers inside os 10 and it's possible that on one machine he's using the built-in postscript stuff in os 10 and just assigning maybe a generic uh print ppd which is the uh the 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 way that the system knows okay i'm talking to a postscript printer but here are the specifics of this particular printer and if you don't have that that file you can just use a generic. So it's possible he's got one, you know, one computer set up using a generic uh, printer definition file and another using the specific printer definition file for that printer. And if that's the case, hmm, well, then maybe, you know, one or the other isn't working or one machine might be using the Apple PostScript engine and another might have some, you know, brother, I don't have a brother printer here, but, you know, it could have the, the brother drivers managing the whole process. And one or the other might not like the whole idea of working across the network since the brother stuff is probably built with USB in mind. Mm-hmm. So, 
it's it, I guess I guess the answer is we don't have an answer, but uh, but there's a couple of places to look. And I think I think you hit it on the head, John. Look at how compare how the printers are configured and connected. If one is connecting via Apple Talk and working and one is connected via Bonjour and not working or vice versa. Well, now you've got something to go on. And I, I, I don't know that there's anything mm-hmm. more to more to say there. Nothing. We got nothing. OK. Uh, okay. It is time. Last week we talked about the, the option key and both John and I were kind of a little stumped by why Apple in their right minds would ever consider using that funky symbol and Pete, not pilot Pete. He's, uh, he's actually prepping for a a big trip tomorrow. Uh, but Pete Hmm. wrote in call. Hello, John and Dave. This is Pete calling from, well, if I told you I might get caught. Anyway, I was calling about the uh, symbol for the option key in the, in the menu entries. And I, I always wondered about this symbol myself. And for, for a couple of years, I just ignored it. And then uh, I, I saw it one day and it just hit me that it represents a switch. Uh, my physics professor used to draw circuit uh, problems on the board, and he would also he would always include a switch, and it kind of sort of represented the, uh, or it sort of looked like the option symbol to me. So imagine, if you will, that the option symbol from left to right is a wire, and you have you can connect the switch to one or two one of the two possible outputs, and of course it's switched to the bottom because that makes it more interesting than just going across the top, because then it would just look like a long line above a very short one. So that's my theory. Uh, it's an, that the option is it's as if you know you reach a fork in the road, and I don't know if that's right, but that that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> you are uh, you are absolutely I, right, Pete. There were there were many of you who wrote in, Michael. Tons. Yeah, Michael I'm was the first. We within, asked that question. Yeah, within hours of the show live going live, Michael, not Michael Johnston, but Michael, listener, Michael. Uh, wrote in mm-hmm. and uh, and had it, but yeah, tons of them. And you're absolutely right that that's exactly uh, what it is. And the Wikipedia entry, for what it's worth, confirms that. But uh, but it certainly makes sense. It, I, I I this is one entry in Wikipedia. I would I would wholeheartedly <laughs> believe. Uh, and and John, I have to say that that I'm disappointed in both of us because. Uh, I know you, you, well, you have, uh, you have you an engineering be disappointed in yourself. No, I'm disappointed well, in you I more used than the me. Different, I used, <sighs> no, no, no. It, look, you got that symbol is not one I use to make switches. It's, it's pretty standard, dude. Um, <laughs> it's well, you got to remember I went to school, you know, years ago. Come on. Yeah. Things change. All right. I don't think switch diagrams change though. This is pretty, it's pretty uh, standard. And, 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 you know, once I started looking at it, it was like, oh yeah, that's what it is. He's totally right. What? Should have seen it. Mm. Yep. And well, Shin sent I in. Disagree. Shin sent in the, uh, that, that, uh, uh, website that, that, you know, shows, uh, all the switch and, and electrical mm-hmm. di- yeah, uh, yeah. diagrams. Yeah. And it was totally, it was like, oh yeah, there it is. Yep. That's the switch. Well, they're not exactly mapped to the Apple symbols. Come on. Okay, well, the Apple symbols don't have dots in them. Yes. And that's about it. You admit there's a... Di- oh, except for them being different, they're the same. Is that what you're saying? Well. <laughs> you want, if you want extra pixels to do dots in there, it's... Yeah. Yeah. It's... Uh, it, it is. It's, I mean, it's, it's, Anyways, it's a it's representation still, of that switch symbol. And it I, certainly is. I, 
I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm disappointed mm-hmm. in us. For- I'm going to shuffle off in, in, in shame. And while I'm doing that, could the band, uh, Oh yeah. Well, let's try the band. Let's see if, uh, let's see if the band, they'll, they'll, they'll share my shame. If they'll share your shame. Uh, it's nice where? weather out the last night. Oh man. It was like, uh, so yeah, I, I, you know, went to some gatherings and, uh, a gathering, and during the the I don't know tropical depression. What do we call it? You probably got nothing. You got a little. Are you, you know, kidding? A couple of raindrops. Oh no! Oh, no, you no. got you got. We got around, around probably probably eight to ten last night. Seven to ten last night in Connecticut was waves of torrential downpour, and then it went away around eleven p.m. So what'd you get? Oh yeah, okay. So we it started here probably about the same time, little after six. And uh, and mm. by seven, you know, I got to the club. I had a gig last night. I got to the club at about. Uh, you drove six thirty. Yeah. Oh yeah. I got to the club yeah, a little after six thirty, and unloading my drums and stuff. It was just pouring down, and then it then it stopped or not stopped, but backed off for a little bit, and then it just poured the rest of the night, which was good. It was a club down on the uh, down in Hampton Beach here in New Hampshire, and. Uh, you know, people didn't want to go anywhere. There was a big seafood festival that, that happened all weekend, but of course they had shut that down last night because there was no sense in having anyone out in the street. Uh, but everybody stayed in the club, so the club was packed and uh, and everybody was having a nice. good time. So yeah, it was fine. The, you know, the good thing was I was a little worried, of course, being right on the coast. What were the winds going to be like? And certainly it was windy, but but not yeah. not to a level where I was concerned. Obviously, people further much further south uh, of us in in the U.S. Oh yeah, had, yeah had much bigger things to worry about than uh, yeah than i saw that here. too like prediction of winds up here that they had at one point like 50 miles an hour which that's probably unpleasant hmm but, but not gusts of like 20 yeah uh, what i saw was like gusts of, yeah so uh, the worst part was i saw a lot of leaves and maybe branches not big branches on the road so uh yeah i, yeah, I was worried about I, that coming home you know what 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 trees down were was I going to see and, and that sort of thing? But really, I didn't see any down until I got I got to the house, and then there were some branches down in the driveway in the yard. Yeah, but nothing. And I asked the pilot actually in the airport. I'm like, "What do you guys do? You fly around it or over it?" He's like, "Yeah, well, this one you pretty much fly kind of over and through it." So, wow. cool. We had we had, no. It wasn't you know like like Lost, which I believe is starting very uh, shortly. Is it yes, now? we're getting back into TV season. I can't wait. Actually, Monday. I'm sorry, Monday. Oh, what is it? Sarah Connor Chronicles. Uh, you know, first new episode but on the TiVo. The TiVo is going to start sucking down the bandwidth, and uh, well, not the bandwidth, but the shows. So, talking about TV season, you know, uh, yeah, being in in New Eight in New England here, uh, we watched the Patriots, and uh, oh yeah, yeah, eight Good. minutes into the game, Brady's knee went down. Tom Brady's Ow. knee. He uh, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him out for the season. Uh, he, yeah, he hyperextended it, you know, it bent the wrong way. I, he, he walked off the field. It didn't look like it was broken, but, uh, but, you know, ligament damage is crazy in the knee. So, yeah. So, uh, what's the show about? What do we, Not gotta, what's the other button? The other button? What are you talking <laughs> about? Which button? <laughs> iPhone Alley is, uh, is Michael oh, yeah, Johnston's yeah, yeah. home. Oh, his home away from home. No, it's Thank his home. Thank you, Michael. We're, we're his home away from home. And, uh, <laughs> He converts the show into uh, into AAC for us, and we certainly appreciate that. And I know a lot of you really appreciate that. K 
CashFly provides all the bandwidth for you to download this show at uh, at lightning speeds anywhere in the world. The podcast marketplace this month includes the A5 and A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebones Software, Text Expander from Smile on My Mac, and Notebook from Circus Ponies, all through the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. We love the iTunes comments. You know, John, we, we did fail, though, throughout the show because we talked right. a lot. We offered a lot of great information. Not once did we tell people how to get in touch with us. But like the good the news is this, is this is the first show in a while where we have not done that in the middle of the show. So let's do it now. The phone number. Go. 206-666-GEEK, which is... 4335. And, John, the email address is... Um... What is it? It's feedback <laughs> at macgeekgab.com. And uh, and then, of course, you can Skype into MacGeekGab. We've heard some reports that the Mac version of Skype, if you type in MacGeekGab and hit call, it won't. Uh, mm. I have not had that problem here. But uh, but if you have that problem, let me know. And we'll we'll definitely yeah. look into it and see what we can do. So That's, I, uh, that's it. That's all she wrote. I'm not sure yep. who she so is. So I say but, next uh, week, uh, who is she? I don't know. Next week, we are, I think, back in sync, yes? I think, I think we do Monday next week, yeah. Monday. For the first time in a long time. <laughs>